example, the word marriage, uh, you'll find nearly six million hits on magazines, articles, books on the internet. Um, also, even now, we have more information than ever on marriage, and everyone and everywhere has an opinion about marriage, um, how a successful marriage should be. Um, but having information and expert advice is not always uh, from so-called experts has improved marriages or homes in America. Matter of fact, it seems to be in a worse condition than ever before. Um, and, you know, just information and knowledge will not change your marriage. Um, and just having advice and different things, it's actual, you know, for us in our modern, modern society and in the society that we live in, um, the problem is everything begins with you. Um, if you are not happy, if your needs are not being met, if you are not the ones that's, if it's not working out great for you, then you do what's best for you. Well, the problem with that is, that's not what the Bible teaches. And for us who are Christians, for us who are called to a standard from God's Word, and as we have started through Colossians, we know that marriage is not about you. The Christian life is not about you. Your family's not about you. And it's not about your pleasure. It's about God. It's about Him being Lord of your life. It's about what He wants with your life, what He wants with your marriage, what he wants with your home, what he wants with your job. And Paul, in the book of Colossians here, he has set, uh, he has set aside, no doubt, chapter 1, the sufficiency of Christ. He has laid the groundwork that we can be secure, we can be sure, we can be confident that Christ is the Savior. Christ is who he says he is. He has done what he said he would do, and he is totally sufficient and supreme, and he is preeminent in all things. Chapter 2, he showed us the deficiency of believing anything less than that or anything more than that. If we take away from Christ, we are walking down a road of, of deficiency. If we try to add to Christ with legalism, um, we're adding something to the gospel. It will lead you away. But then chapter 3 opens up. He says, therefore, if, if chapters 1 and 2 are true, if you are in Christ and he is preeminent and now Christ is in you, Here's what will happen in your life. And we spent a couple weeks now talking about the old man and the new man and how when Christ comes in your life, he changes everything. So a gospel that is preached that does not bring you to change is not what the gospel of the Bible teaches. Um, it is not legalism. We are not earning God's salvation or earning favor with God. It's not liberalism. You can do whatever you want and be forgiven and grace upon grace upon grace. No, it is lordship. And when Paul begins chapter 3, he shows your life will be radically different. Your marriage will be radically different. Your home will be radically different. Your children uh, bearing or raising will be radically different. Your workplace will be radically different. Your community life will be radically different. It's the lordship of Christ over all these things. And so he showed us the old and the new, and he begins with the first relationship, and it comes to the marriage relationship. And you say, how does my relationship with Jesus Christ transform my marriage? Well, Paul gives us two verses here, powerful verses. Uh, we read them. Um, wives, submit to your own husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be bitter towards them. Let's begin with verse 18. I knew when I started the book of Colossians, this verse was in here because I preached this before. And uh, this verse has been used by many as a hammer. 
There's no doubt you will find a misuse and a ha- this scripture used as a hammer by some men and has been falsely taught and demonstrated over many years. Uh, and so it is hard because there's a lot of false narrative out there. There's a lot of false truth out there. But the truth is this, this verse is key in our marriages. This, this verse is key in our marriages, foundational, and in a Christ-centered marriage, that God wants to glorify God, and, and this, that should be our goal, that this, this must be a part of our marriage relationship. So wives, submit to your own husband as fitting to the Lord. I know that statement is not politically correct. It's not socially correct, uh, but it is Scripture. It is, a, it is a Scripture command. It is a Scripture that's given to us, but it's only foundational. It can only be possible if our lives have been transformed by Jesus Christ. This is not for people who don't believe in Christ. This is not for people who do not have the power of Christ in you because it's not going to happen unless you're submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. This will become evident in your life when you are submitted. So really for us, as we see this, this is a wife that's transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that willingly submits to her husband through the power of Christ living in them. That's an amazing thing. And, and, and number one, for us, when we look to the word submit, uh, really the word means to enable your husband's leadership. Um, it is an enabling uh, type of word. Uh, it's to willingly place yourself under the authority of someone else. Willingly. So as you look at it, it's not a cultural issue. It's not a philosophical issue. It's not a theological issue. It's not an intellectual issue. It's a spiritual issue. So as you submit to God, first and foremost, then this can, this can also be true in your life. So if I was going to ask any one of the wives, and even if you did premarital counseling, I would say, do you think you should love and follow your husband as God says? Of course, everyone would say yes, absolutely. I want, to, I want to support and to love my husband and to follow after what God has told me to do. Well, when you think about it, submission is not inequality. Uh, submission is not inequality. The Bible does not teach that men are superior to women and women are inferior to men. That, doesn't, that is not taught in the Bible. Uh, just because someone is subject to authority to someone does not mean they are less valuable than somebody. Um, you know, men and women are created equal in God. Matter of fact, Galatians make that very clear. In Christ, we are, there's no, neither Jew nor Greek nor Gentile, no, I mean, uh, no uh, Gentile or Jew. There's no male nor female. In Christ, we are all equal in value before God. So submission has nothing to do with value. It has to do with order and function, <clears throat> um, much like with the Trinity. God the Father and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all co-equal. But they all have different functions. They all have different roles. And if you think about it, if God the Son would not choose to willingly submit to God the Father in the Trinity, then he would not carry out the mission of the cross. Then there would be no salvation. But it, under the submission did not make him less valuable or less than God. He was still God, but he willingly, voluntarily submitted to the authority of God the Father's plan to carry out God's mission in salvation. But it didn't make him less valuable. So the design and wisdom of God, he set the order of the marriage, and he says submission has nothing to do with value, but it has to do with order and function. And for those who are mechanics or those who like think about engines, there are pistons in those engines, and those engines 
those pistons have to work in harmony. When they do not work in harmony, they get out of tune, and then all of a sudden your, your engine does not produce the power that it should. And so what they have is what they call a primary piston or a primary number one piston. And when you go to set your timing, that piston has to be all the way to the very top at what they call dead center, uh, dead top of center. And when they set that first piston, all the rest of them has to go in order off of the first primary piston. When the first primary piston is right, then all the other pistons fire in line and all of them produce the equal power. But the first one has to be in order so the rest of them can work. It's the same just like for us in marriage. If we want a godly marriage, then we have to follow the order of God. Submission does not have to do with value. It has to do with order. Second, submission is not slavery. You know, some men use this verse for slavery. Husbands, uh, if you go out and use this word as a hammer, uh, God, that's not what God wants. God does not want you to say that your wife has to be at your service or every beck and call. But the submission that God is talking about is voluntary. That this is a willing, sweet submission under God as God has taken. It's not a hostage takeover. Uh, the verse here is not about subjection or submission. It's about leadership. It implies that the man should lead and the woman should allow him to lead or willingly support him as he leads. So husbands is the provider, the protector, the caregiver, and they are to be the leader. A husband's job is to lead. That is our responsibility. And, and when they lead, it's the job of the wife or the expectation of the wife to let them pull the leadership load, like to follow their leadership. So the man leads and the woman submits and supports his leadership in the Lord. So what Paul is saying the Christian ladies of the Colossians here is saying, when your husband is a godly man, let him lead. Support him in the things of God. So as you've been set free by Christ, you have value, you have honor, and womanhood is respected in the, in the, in the Christian. You have a new walk of faith like it's never been before. But don't take that and try to use it over your husband, but as a matter of function, Use it to submit your husband so he can lead the family and the home in the things of God and it could function, can properly function as God would have it to be. So Paul cautions here these believers and these new believers and says, don't let it get out of balance. God has ordained the husband to lead as he should and a godly woman should allow that or willingly allow it. Not to be a competitor, not to try to outdo him, but to let him lead. Like, he's not perfect. Amen, right? Okay, I was just making sure you guys were awake. But he tries to be the point man, right? He tries to be the leader. He tries to find out which way the family should go, the direction of the spiritual life of the kids, of the home, of, of those things. And Paul is saying, as you're committed to the husband leading, make sure you're supporting, make sure you're submitting, make sure you're encouraging him. So being subject to your husband has nothing to do with yielding to the whims of someone who tries to boss you around. It is a godly mandate. As the husband leads in the things of God, you are to help support. It's not menial serving, servant bondage. It is biblical submission that helps lead the whole family for the better of the gospel, for you all to bring honor and glory to God. So as your husband is sincerely trying to lead, then 
in the family and the things of Christ, you're to encourage him. You're to support him. As he leads, you're not to look at his leadership as competition. You're not to look at it as, see, you failed again, or you didn't do this again, or you didn't do that again. Rather than ridiculing decisions or taking matters in your own hands, Paul says to submit, to allow him to lead, be loyal to him. Make sure that he's trying, and as he does, let, let, let it not be done rebelliously or to, to, to help encourage him. So as a leadership role, giving respect to the direction of leadership, you got to give your husband room to grow and encourage him to lead. So we don't have it all figured out right away. And we're not going to have to have it after 20 years. I already know that, all right? My dad's been married almost 50 years. You don't get it at 50 years either, all right? So it's not 20, it's not 50. We're not going to make it all the way there. But don't look to how many times you fail. Look to the direction and effort that they put into it. As they do that, make sure you're lifting them up. So for us, really the challenge is when you look to your husband, do you look at as someone that God has placed in your life to be a spiritual leader for your family? Because you're not to look at him as someone who is uh, someone who you are against or you're competing with, but it should be as a gift that God has given to the family for the spiritual life of all of you, for the husband, for the wife, for the kids, for everyone else, that, that as he leads, we are to support and to follow and give res- respect. <clears throat> it's not because he deserves it. It's not because he meets your conditions. It's because God says so. It's because you're under the lordship of Christ. As you submit to God first and foremost, then you can, abs- and then you can follow this out. You know, wives do a great job of playing the agenda, seeing each step going from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. And the husbands really aren't good with details, but the husband should be getting the ladder leaned on the right wall. All right, that's, that's our job, to make sure that we are in the direction of God and trying to fulfill the will of God for our life, and as that works together. And for wives, you know, you got to be your husband's number one encourager. Listen, it's tough. It's hard, I know, because we do make a lot of mistakes, like I said. But the wife should be the number one fan, should be your biggest fan. And I know men look tough, they look rough, and they like to act like they're Randy and the macho man, savage, but they're not, right? Deep down inside, we want somebody to say, you did a good job. Thanks for working hard for our family. Thank you for protecting me and our kids when you watch out for us when we go to the store, when you help us out with this, or you protect us from that. You're always there. Thank you for doing that. They need someone to say, hey, you're my man, all right? There's a woman who was trying to enable her husband to leadership by helping him with communicating better. You know, that's really tough, too. Man, maybe you'll be able to sympathize with this fellow. He got a call. She went to Europe. She was traveling around. She called back. She said, ask her husband, how's my cat? He said, he's dead. She said, are you kidding me? Hey, you don't have to be so honest. Can't you just break the news to me slowly? She said, can't you just, you, you're going to ruin my trip. He's like, what do you mean? So she explained. She said, listen, you could, you could have told me he was on the roof. And then when I called you from Paris, you could have told me he was acting sluggish. Then when I called you from London, you could have said he was sick. And when I called you from New York, you could have said you took him to the vet. Then when I got home, you could have said he passed away. <laughs> so the husband, really wanting to learn, he said, I'll try and do better next time. <laughs> Ten minutes later. 
conversation turns. She says, by the way, how's my mom? And there's a long silence. He said, she's on the roof. <laughs> uh, I had to tell at this service because the next service they won't laugh. But anyhow, I like, I like this service because you guys laugh. <clears throat> but the point is, <laughs> it's tough. But you got to communicate. You got to be respectful. And listen, it doesn't mean just doing everything the man says or the husband says. You can be respectful and disagree. Aaron and I all the time. We come to two different points of view, especially with children, <laughs> raising children, right? We thought building a house was hard. Then we had kids, and we thought, wow. <laughs> then we had a girl, and we were like, wow, that's really, really hard, right? So you have difference of opinions. There are things that she sees and the way that we should do things, and there are things that I see and the way should we, do, we should do things. She doesn't always just say you're right. She might say, I'll agree to disagree. We'll do it your way. And sometimes I'll have to say, hey, you were right. I was wrong. Let's go ahead and change. I think that's happened one time, but anyhow, other than that, uh, <laughs> you got to say those things. It's not about them getting it always right, but it's about them knowing that you are respectful, that, that you respect their opinion. You can be respectful and still stand your ground. You could be respectful and still have truth, but, but when you belittle or you make in front of publicly or privately, you, you make jokes or you, you make in front of your husband when he makes a bad decision or other things like that, or they hear that you're talking about them, it's tough because that ruins a lot of the, the trust and respect that they have. And listen, it's not because your husband, like I said, deserves it. It's not because of his performance, but it's based upon his position. That's where God has placed the man. God said, this is the man's job. This is his leadership. And wives, you are to submit to your husband, support him, to lift him up. And if you want a Christ-honoring marriage, that's the order that God has placed. See? That wasn't that bad. Nobody wants to throw anything at me, do they? So we'll move to the men. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Now I could say amen we could go home, right? No, I'm just teasing. So you think about it, God, husband, love your wives, and be not bitter towards them, because men can get resentful, men can get to where they resent their wife or resent that part of them, and so Paul's explaining to them, do not be bitter towards them, they have value, they have worth, God uses them in your life. Like, like a lot of times, Aaron is the one that points out things that I've done wrong. And I may not like it, so when I start to resent it, I might get bitter towards her, but it's not, towards, it's not her that's wrong, it's me. But she just helped me see that. So, so Paul's saying, in Christ you are a new creature, now you must love your wife and don't be bitter towards them when God puts it on their hearts because now they have a voice. See, up to this point, Without the gospel, without Christianity, women had no say. Women had no point. Women had no value because they, they were not placed in the community where God had originally put them. But now Paul's saying, in Christ, this transformation has happened. Now you can't just be bitter towards your wife and tell them to be quiet and not listen to them. No, God has placed them there. You are to love them and to care for them and do not be bitter towards them when they help you or support you or encourage you in the things of the Lord. He tells you to love your wives. We must love them spiritually. If you think about how radical this verse was in the Greek culture, everything was on a surface. 
Like, like love was a, a, a friendly love or love was, a, um, love was something that was general. But the word here is, is agape love. It's the word that's only used for God's love. And what, what, what Paul is saying here in this, you are to love your wife like God loves her. I don't know about you, that's a pretty big standard, right? For a husband to love his wife like God loves her. It's not a worldly love, it's an unconditional love, it's, a, it's an agape love. We are married to God's daughter, and we're commanded to love her as God loves her. Wow, that's tough. I mean, that's a, that's a challenge. And for us, when we get down to the bottom of it, we should be so grateful to God for the creation that he has given us and a part of it that we should love her like God loves her. So we love her spiritually, but we also love her sacrificially. It's not an emotional word. It's a sacrificial word. If you think about it, John 3.16 is our example. It said, for God so loved the world that what? He gave. He sacrificially gave the best that he had for our salvation. That was Jesus Christ. And for us, we are to sacrificially give love to our wives. It's the kind of love that overrides the deepest valley or the most stress in our lives and the event that tends to swallow our marriage or our emotions. It says we love them regardless of anything else, sacrificially. Paul later in Ephesians also says, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That we are to give and we're to love and we're to share. There was a, uh, unless you know Mr. Carl Doan, he was a member of our church, founding member of our church. He hasn't been here in a while, for a couple of years. Um, he's taking care of his wife, who has been battling his dementia for a long time. But this past week, he actually stopped by the church one evening and uh, when we was building the church. And he came in and just to talk to him, to see him, and to think through his life, he said, God told me to love her until she dies. And he said, I'm going to love her take care of her. He said, I'll give everything I have because I'm not letting her go. And I was like, Mr. Carl, that's, that's exactly the example that men need to see in this life. That, that his wife has not even been able to function for several years, but his love has not waned for her at all. He loves her just as much today as he has for 52 years, he said, 53 years. And, and for him to do that and to keep doing that, I thought, what an awesome testimony. What, what a show of love, sacrificial love, that he, he, is, he is gaining nothing out of the relationship other than being with her to sacrificially give to her and to take care of her. And that's what we need to do is love our wives like Christ loved the church. The most important question you can ask as a husband is, do I love my wife more than I love myself? Do you love your wife so much so that you put her needs and wants before your needs and wants? You gotta love spiritually, gotta love sacrificially, and you gotta love sensitively. This was tough for me, right? Bitter means impatient, sharpness, harshness, like I said. While you love your wife more than anything else on this planet, there's no other person that can drive you more crazy than you on this planet, right? Opposites attract but then they agitate, all right? So there's no one on this planet's crazy about, no one more crazier, right? 
You, you can relate. Don't raise your hand. Just wink at me. All right, for you men to say. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, we kind of realize it's so true of every marriage. Men are frustrated because we don't understand with things we don't understand, right? Listen up, man. Get your pen out and your paper. I'm going to give you something really, really good here. I'm going to share with you something that's very important with dealing with women. There are two ways to handle women. Unfortunately, I don't know either one of them. <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, but I do know you got to communicate well. This is tough for men because most of us clam up, right? So for us, we got to learn how to communicate. We struggle with connecting our words, communicating with our words. Women don't, right? Men say what they mean, mean what they say. Women are different. I heard one preacher, Adrian Rogers, say one time, his wife said, listen to what, don't listen to what I say, listen to what I mean. He's like, wait a minute, I don't understand that. But women are like that. They speak in code. I've said that before, right? From my own experience with Aaron, she says, we need to talk. That means I need to listen, all right? She says, sure, go ahead. That means I better not, all right? And she says, do, you, do, do what you want. She means you're dead meat, right? <laughs> and she says, I'll be ready in a minute. That means we're going to be late. That's what that means. <laughs> I know that for sure, 100%, right? <laughs> uh, you probably heard my other joke about the couple hadn't communicated for some time. They've been arguing. So they were riding on a Sunday afternoon. It's been four or five days since they even talked. So they were riding through the country. They saw two mules over there in the pasture. And he looks over his wife and says, hmm. Some of your relatives? She said, yeah, by marriage. <laughs> uh, anyhow, uh, Gary Smalley is a great relationship guy. He said he asked five divorced women individually, if your husband began treating you in a consistently loving matter, manner, would you take him back? Or would you have never left him? Each one replied, of course I would. And you think about it. The way a wife loves her husband in a consistent manner through communicating, through acceptance, praising her, protecting her, valuing her, sharing your feelings with her, accepting her, surprising her, noticing her, helping her, showing public affection. He said it's not about the big things. It's usually just the little things. It's tough. And if you want to dig a grave for your marriage, here's how to do it. Criticize her frequently. Never pay attention to her. Refuse to do anything, clam up, and never share anything with her, and make her third or fourth priority in your life. Pretty convicting words, right? Especially for us as men, because we can do that sometimes. Listen, I'm no expert. I've tried my best for 20 years, right? But I do know God's word is true. I do know as we come into the lordship of Jesus Christ, and as God changes our heart, there's only one hope for the man and the woman, and that's under the submission of Jesus Christ. That's it. In our world, this world will eat your marriage alive. It will. The pressures of life, the materialism, the, the, the temptations that are out there, the people that are out there, the traps that are out there, all the things that we have. If you want a God-honoring marriage, you better be willing to fight, and you better be willing for both of you to submit to God. That's why it's so important when you're dating or when you're, when you're um, you know, engaged with someone to be sure that not just one but both of you are Submitted to Christ. 
that no matter what may come. And like I said, not just through marriage, but when kids come and when in-laws come and families come and all those things that happen in life. You got to be submitted to God and the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. And you got to let the gospel change your heart. And if you're not willing to do that, you're going to be bitter. Men are going to grow cold. They're going to clam up. They're not going to communicate. They're going to push their wife off the third and fourth priority. And when women are not submitting to Christ and they're not submitting to the authority of their husband and the position that God has given them, it's going to be a, it's going to be a competitor. It's going to be who I can outdo you. I can do your job better than you can do yours. And it's going to be a competition. And it's going to be one against the other. And that's never going to end. It's never going to end well. But God says, as we come under the submission of Christ, you come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and you allow God to work in your marriage, and you allow God to work in your home, that's exactly what it means when you see the gospel change your life. Submit to your own husbands, fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. One other thing I'll leave you with. Every time, the main issue and problem in marriages is never with the other spouse. Every time, it's with you. Because if you think about it, Paul says all this, he shows this little letter, and it says it comes back that Jesus is sufficient. And when Jesus is Lord of your life, and Jesus is Lord of your things, you let him change your heart, changes your actions, changes your marriage. It's not that your spouse needs to get right. It's that you need to get right with God. And when we get right with God, then we can do what he's commanded us to do. And as we give lordship to Jesus Christ, we shouldn't pray. We shouldn't worry about the other. We need to worry about ourselves and say, God, I'm bringing my life under the submission of you. And whatever you have for my life, that's what I want to fulfill. Let's pray together.